Thank you for tuning in to the You Own the Experience podcast. In this week's episode, we sit down with Adam Dale, director and co-founder of Sourcebreaker, a AI-based tool for the staffing and recruiting industry. Our conversation revolves around the difficulty that AI has in making sense of the grays in staffing, how to feed AI data on hard to quantify things like soft skills and company culture, uh, and how we miss the pub a lot. This week's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Able. And this week's segment of Ask Lauren, we discuss customized training for the tools in your tech stack. Please remember to rate, review, and share the episode or you listen to your podcast and enjoy the show. What's up, Adam? How you doing, man? Hey, Ian. Yeah, all good. Thank you. Thank you for being on. It's very early over here in the U.S. I know it's a little bit later or mid-afternoon for you in the uh, sunny U.K. It looks sunny yeah, over there. Yeah, it's uh, nearly beer time on a Friday over here. If we were in the office, it would be, uh, yeah, the beers would be open nearly. God, I want to start working in some England offices, you know. I'm pretty sure we were drinking on Friday afternoons at in here fish and, and Abel does too. So I think it was the, the staffing firms that I was working at weren't big drinkers, but there are ones who have kegs in their offices. So I just think I got unlucky. But anyway, so Adam is the founder or co-founder and uh, director of Sourcebreaker, uh, which is a really powerful tool for staffing firms. So Adam, you want to give a quick background to an over like elevator pitch of yourself and Sourcebreaker? Yeah, no worries. So yeah, so I have done uh, just coming up to 10 years in the staffing world. So I work for recruitment, international recruitment agency called the S3 Group. I have multiple brands in like technology and, and life sciences. And then five years ago, I joined joined my business partner, Steve, and we launched Sourcebreaker. Sourcebreaker is a AI matching and robotic automation platform for recruiters. And what on earth does those buzzwords mean? Um, what that means is we I help recruiters identify additional candidates by using a synonym database, whether that be across their own CRM, any CV databases, and LinkedIn and really increase those candidate pools that they have for their current jobs. And then we match those candidates to live end-user jobs coming directly from companies' careers portals, giving the recruiter multiple opportunities to place each candidate that they find. So really, the Sourcebreaker platform fuels the whole recruitment process, right from winning new business and identifying those roles through to then actually sourcing and delivering on the job requirements. That's awesome. By the way, yeah, it's really nice when you can say all of the trending buzzwords in your elevator pitch. Yeah. Like AI. We just, we just automation. Them in. <laughs> <laughs> like, like whoever's listening, they're like, okay, I know I heard I need to be paying attention to AI. I know I need to be paying attention to robotic process automation. All these experts keep telling me these are the, the key trends for my business. So source breaker. That's how I keep my website copy up to date, Rob. <laughs> He's listening to the experts and he's just like, all right, yeah, we do that. No, we do that. No, so guys, let's be honest here. I'm joking around, but uh, every customer that I've talked to or every consultant I've talked to loves Sourcebreaker for its, its AI power. And one of the things that's unique for business development is, and this is what I want to highlight, and then we'll jump into kind of like the conversation uh, that we were talking about pre-call, is the fact that you can do some matching. You can match really in-demand candidates to open jobs on the web. And I think everyone I keep talking to is like business development, business development, business development. And I'm like, well, you, if you want business development, you need to find jobs that match what you're always looking for from a candidate, right? Or the skill set of the candidate. So I was really excited about that. I've been excited about that for like three or four years since I found out about it because it's just very different than just getting good candidates into the system or searching your system better. So 
Yeah, that's the key is, is really finding those jobs for candidates that you're already working with. I think people think of candidate attraction and business development as sort of two completely separate processes, whereas really you want to be winning new jobs, definitely, but you want to be winning new jobs that you already have candidate pools for. So that's really the angle behind it rather than just pulling a job and then having to start from scratch. Yeah, that is... <laughs> That's winning, right? Like when you already have the person to fill it, or you have like three or four people who are pretty close to the match, right? Pretty close to what they're looking for. So awesome, man. And so our conversation, obviously, Adam sells AI uh, machine learning tools. So, so talking about automation a lot, you end up having to talk about AI a lot. And AI right now, Adam, right? And you can correct me, is, is mostly machine learning. It's not like this freewheeling thinking engine. It's, it's a trained learning tool that helps make recommendations, right? Or finds recommendations or similar patterns, right? Yeah, definitely. I think the best example of like AI and talking in, especially in staffing at the moment, is like a more augmented intelligence rather than artificial intelligence. So it's, it's using those machine learning patterns and the data, but then actually supplementing that with like the human brain to actually be able to work out, you know, what is the best match. So it's getting the recruiter like halfway there rather than trying to get them 100% of the way there. Got it. So. And I love what you said there, because that's kind of how we sold automation, right? It's like just helping the recruiter do the things that humans do, like discerning. I think in our pre-call, we talked about soft skills, right? Like identifying soft skills. And so let me, let me just let you answer the question that we had, right? Is that what are the other use cases or what are the realistic use cases for AI for staffing and recruiting right now that you're seeing? Yeah, so I think it's looking at what data you have is the core to it. So I always talk a lot about like gray data is the way that I, I describe it. It's not black and white in terms of what we have. So you know, on one side of it, we have a, a job requisition or a job order, and that has the general skills that somebody's looking for within that particular role. It might have the qualifications, it might have the job title, it might have like the location. But actually, when you get into a hiring process, they're the things you must have, but then there's a whole raft of things that actually come out in the conversation with the hiring manager of really what they're looking for. You know, what they're looking for in culture fit, what's the type of team that they need to interact with, what are the communication skills, which are all missing from the actual job spec or job order. And then if you look at the other side of it, you've got a candidate CV, which is again a list of the skills and experiences that they have. And it might have a little bit of hobbies on the bottom and say, you know, they're really into snowboarding or golf or, you know, something like that. But really, it's not an actual accurate reflection of that human. So what you then do is when you're looking at matching is if you're trying to match exactly with a job order and a candidate is actually really you're not looking at complete data sets to be able to match those two together. So where we look at it at the moment is going, OK, well, there is a lot of matching done on pure qualifications and skills that people must have. So if we can speed that up and we can automate that part of the process, then the recruiter can spend their time on the other bits. So is actually questioning that hiring manager on really what they're looking for. What is the team like to work within? You know, what's the personality that they're trying to hire? And then talking to the candidate and saying, okay, you know, really, what is the dream job? What is the culture? What is that environment you want to work in? And then taking those additional data sources that the recruiters extracted to then make the final match. So really getting them to that sort of long list rather than trying to do all the matching themselves. Yeah, so just kind of a quick recap, right? It's like one, 
the gray areas are because a human being is not a resume or a CV, right? Depending on what part of the world you're in. Yeah. <laughs> We're more than the CV and resume. Job orders are more than just the bullet points and the fancy write-up that they make. And then maybe the best example, right, is I work kind of closely, kind of like just kind of a really friendly in a collegial way with a group in, in Orlando uh, here in Florida that does VC recruiting. So like small stage startups, seed startups, series A startups. And, and we talked about this in the pre-calls, like if you're going to hire someone for that company, you can't hire someone who comes out of like a massive enterprise company likely because they're used to like serving one function. And when you're going to a seed stage, right? Like, and you know this because you did it last maybe five years ago, four to five years ago, you're doing a lot of different things, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, so that's what the job description, you know, at a seed stage startup, it might say like, hey, you need to be a master of a lot of things, but that could be missing. Like you may, you may and like, Unless you're working with that staffing company that knows, like, hey, you're saying you want a CMO, but really you need like a CMO and a sales ops guy or person. It doesn't have to be a guy, right? So there's like, there's definitely a layer to it that, I, and I really like how you explained it, right? The gray area, but it's you need a human to discern these things, and I think people get afraid of AI and automation because they always like it's just a consistent thing. There's a consistent fear of it's going to remove the human. And you've been doing this for five years and selling for five years, and it hasn't removed the human yet. Yeah, I think, if anything, the great thing of AI and automation in the staffing world is that it makes the human more human. So the recruiter can actually spend their time on those like you know conversations, not you know trawling through you know LinkedIn all day and trying to send loads of messages. And they can actually spend their time doing the bits that they're best at. I always say I think a recruiter is a is a very interesting role because it's a mixture between like a salesperson, like a consultant, and a researcher. Really, is those those are the two the three core elements of it. And actually, a lot of the time is the very best recruiters will only be maybe good at a couple of those things. They might be great at sales and pitching and really good communication skills with, with their candidates. They love them. But then the idea of spending four hours on LinkedIn scrolling through profiles is probably their absolute worst nightmare. It certainly was for me back in the, uh, back in the day. So actually, can automation, can AI get rid of some of that research phase so then you can just get on with communicating, which ultimately, as a human, that is what we're built for. I think the pandemic and, and lockdowns and all the things that we're talking about at the moment that's really the essence of what people are missing. People say, oh, I'm missing being able to go down to the pub or I'm missing this. But really what people are missing is that human interaction. And that's what I think the best recruiters are good at. And we want to keep that front and center in the process. Yeah, I agree. It was so funny because last night I was like kind of like reflecting on my day and I still had a lot of energy, you know, even at like nine or 10 o'clock. And it was because I was at like a really fun conference. I was at the World Staffing Summit and I got to talk, but I, I took the day off and I just listened to all the sessions and was trying to engage with people. And I could definitely feel that missing of the, of the connection really strongly as I was reflecting on like why I felt, I was like really happy yeah. at the end of the day. <laughs> it was because I had all this interaction with other humans. That's awesome. So again, this reiterating this point is like, don't be afraid of AI. The AI and automation make humans better at doing human things, which I, we say, I say a lot. I hear that in my head. I'm like, ah, it's almost like, it's like the running script in my head now, but it's true. And I'm terrible at admin work. So if anyone could do admin work for me personally, I'm <laughs> super psyched. It's always fun. And then I think the other part is, right, is like you, if your time is not filled doing admin work as a creative salesperson slash recruiter, you're trying to figure out what to fill it with. And if you have more time for conversations and like you don't have to run to the next thing or worry about taking a ton of notes or finding the best candidate, like, 
you can stay on the phone longer if the person can. And so maybe they give you the nugget that you need to know about the next job or the, or the next five orders that you're going to get from them just because you're not rushing around trying to do all these things that people have to do. So uh, yeah, Allowing people to be a bit more strategic with it. It's like you say, it's, it's, are they asking those really detailed questions because they're so time poor that they're just trying to get everything they need for that particular job, get it down, make sure it's clear so that they can pass it to a resourcer or do the resourcing themselves. But yeah, they're not talking about business strategy. They're not looking at you know what's the long-term outlook. And, and that's really where you get the very best relationships and you know future work as well from the clients. Yeah, like if you could leave a client meeting and go to the pub with them right afterwards because your work is done by AI and automation, like... You're going to get some good stuff. So (laughs) I like it. And you know, I'm talking to someone from the UK because I said the word pub. (laughs) I was going to say, it's come up four times in the conversation already. You clearly want to go to a pub. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I want to leave my apartment in Fort Lauderdale. (laughs) So, (laughs) but anyway, all right, that's awesome. So we talked about the positives. Where are the limitations to kind of give our audience a sense of like a realistic set of limitations that you see from, again, from someone who talks about this all day, every day. Yeah. So I think the limitations are, yeah, at the moment, trying to get it to do everything. And I think the most successful businesses at the moment are looking at what part of the process can this solve rather than trying to look for a, a whole end-to-end solution with AI. I think there's, there's some, some key points. There's, you know, there's part of the, the candidate sourcing process, there's part of the, the business development process that it can really help with, but actually trying to get it to do everything from you know, somebody apply to getting them to the right job to sending to the hiring manager and making a placement, that's not where it is yet. There's the potential, and I think there's some cool stuff that people are doing a lot on the volume side with a lot of like the automated messaging and, and things like that, where potentially for those type of jobs, you will have a full end-to-end solution that takes the, the human out of it completely. But I think when you're talking about really high-level skill sets, bespoke jobs, really, you know, it's not just a, a carbon copy of the last person, then that's where the limitations are at the moment. Got it. So, so you're saying, like the last point you're kind of saying, it's going to boil up almost carbon copies, so you do need that human element to make sure that that the candidates are not. Is that the same? Is that accurate or no? Yeah. So I think in a particular workflow where the candidate that you are looking for is purely skills based. So if you look at like sort of use some high volume work, high volume light industrial retail stuff. Yeah. Okay. Then great. I don't think there's anyone's quite cracked it yet, but I think give us two, three, four years, and I think you will see solutions for that that actually fully automate that entire process. Will that still be machine learning, strictly based? That's right. That's not going to go out from that level. Yeah, I think that'll be, because if this, then this, you know, it's it's almost like a flow map to be able to identify those people. And a lot of it's about availability and can you work this shift tomorrow? Yes or no. Do you have this skill? Yes or no. And if yes to five questions, bang, they're in and, and they're booked in. But I think when you're looking at, any organizations outside of that high volume, what we've talked about before is cultures in every organization are, are different. Even if you take like the staffing tech market, where we're all quite similar personalities when you go to the big shows and you, you know, everyone gets on, but each business you can actually see even across there has their own slight cultures and differences within it. So even if you're hiring for us or you're hiring for, for Cube, there might be slight differences in the person, even though the skill set is very similar. Culturally, I would say that you guys are the best dressed always. <laughs> I'll take that from you guys being like 30-something-year-old Brits. I'm taking a lot of pride in that. And then you saw the guys at Herefish who were in jeans, a t-shirt, and a blazer. 
like total tech Silicon Valley bros. So yeah. yeah you were <laughs> trying to be the next Facebook, so. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I can just wholeheartedly tell you that the owners of that company did not like wearing dress shirts. <laughs> that, that, that would be the, the answer to that. And they made really comfortable t-shirts. So that was always a really nice thing. So I don't know if you have any, but they were always the most comfortable. I haven't, but any stash for, you know, working from home is always welcome. So uh, yeah, you're going to have to, I'll put put my address in the bio of everything. Anyone wants to send me any stash. (laughs) Yeah. I'm happy to take t-shirts on that are really comfortable. Like if it's, if it's a, if you know, if it's a certain brand, no, if it's a certain brand, yes. So anyway, I'm pretty picky, right? Especially sitting at home in my sweatpants and a t-shirt all day. (laughs) So, so fascinating. Okay. So Anything that people ask you consistently from an AI tool that you're just like, it's not there yet, that would be good to just let people know kind of from a general education perspective? So I think one is, yeah, is the fully automated process. I think the other one is just looking at like the use case and the accuracy against different industries. So I think there's there's certain industries and skill sets that are a lot more suited to matching and a lot of that we can you know is going back to the point about the soft skills is like what level of soft skills are involved in a particular role so if you look at say a salesperson a lot of that is soft skill based the recruitment for it the how are you testing and all of that whereas if you look at a developer then a lot more of that is pure skills based so i think the the key is working out on matching is what are you recruiting for, which is which is a level, and therefore just having an understanding that maybe the tech can get you further in certain industries than it than others doesn't mean it doesn't work in any other industries, but it's just having that yeah understanding of of the limitation of that is what I would, what I would probably have a have a look at. So it's very good at certain industries. It's a little bit less if, if more soft skills are needed. So kind of like taking it from a source break perspective in my head. IT, it sounds like if you're recruiting for developers, it's going to hit the ball out of the home for the candidate side. But if you're recruiting C-levels, you may actually make more use of the business development side where you have really good C-levels that you're talking to that you know are open, but you may not have a ton of jobs. So SourceBreak can go out and find matching to that person from a resume CV perspective and bring them back to the organization to call on. And then from the candidate perspective, you see a lot of success in certain segments and verticals of staffing. Would that be accurate? Yeah, yeah. I think for us, our strong suits are anything that's really qualification, skills based. You know, especially with the, especially with the synonym database that underpins everything. Anything that there's like complexity in, or other ways of saying it. You know, longhand, shorthand, acronyms, all of that. That's where you get to see the biggest uplifts in terms of candidate volumes. But yeah, also on the the business side, one of the new things that we've just launched recently is uh, we have a whole like Intel center within it which actually is like offering like funding data and things like that. So it's just like more data points that you're, you're able to look at and trying to create. You know, what we're trying to create and where we're going with sort of the platform is to have the AI matching um, engine that's getting you to this long list of people and long list of jobs that you want to talk to. And then the next thing that we're really trying to work on is then how do you actually fuel those conversations? So how do you make sure as a recruiter, you're standing out against everyone else? And the best ones that I've ever come across are the ones that have you know intelligent data that they can actually share with the candidate or with the client. So that's really the next bit of you know where we're going with all of this is, is going, okay, not only here's a job, but here's something that you should actually talk to that hiring manager about. So it's almost like you need to be on Wall Street bets learning about the market. Yeah, <laughs> that's just crazy. Uh, anyway, let's not go down that rabbit hole, but we are recording it. It's the day after Robin Hood 
pissed off their entire user base. So good job, Robinhood. And everyone who is using an Apex-based clearinghouse. My wife was furious, by the way. I was like, whatever. That's what it is what it is. Interesting, man. So it's kind of the same. So let me just kind of recap to that after I made a, a joke, a sarcastic joke. Um, based on the vertical, so you could have data in there and be like, hey, this industry is growing. We can see other companies that are growing. This one's a startup. Here's why that they're unique to those other ones. We know that they're well-backed from like a VC. Like everything is... It's crazy how much more aware we are of capital, venture capital, funding, like how funding works. Like, if you're our age, right? Like in this, it's age group. Like, I don't think our parents understood, or maybe like if you were in business school or had an MBA, you understood. But like the general Joe schmo walking around nowadays has like a pretty intimate knowledge of like how funding works and how tech companies can grow, and they don't need to make a profit for twenty years. Like Netflix finally turned a profit. Or can pay off their own debt without taking a bank loan as of this month. And they're 20 years old. They're, they were founded in 98. But like we're like super aware of that. And but it also helps the recruiter tell the story better. And that's what you're creating. Yeah, definitely. And I think the reason funding data, we have it and we find it so a crucial part of the platform, is it really answers that one question that a recruiter needs to know is can this company afford my specialist services? Because, you know, really that if you're going to a recruiter and not, you know, sticking an advert out there, you're using a specialist service and there's a cost involved in that. So the funding data gives you that clue. The other thing it gives you is just something really good to have a conversation about with the hiring manager that's slightly different apart from you're just hiring this particular role. And we really link all of this stuff together so you can identify like looking at a company actually what is all the jobs that they've got live and the funding all in all in one so people can start to like you know actually go for like projects of work rather than just looking at singular roles yeah that's fascinating my head immediately went to this idea that like a lot of times advertising is not effective surprisingly podcast advertising is the most effective on me like i'll go take a look at the website but like there's no way i'm looking at a toyota if, I, if the toyota commercial pops up on the tv sometimes instagram marketing is effective but those things are really expensive. So in my head, where I went to was like, is it cheaper not to pay for advertising and just engage a specialty firm for like a Royal Caribbean that's hiring, right? Or like a large company. Like if a large company is hiring or even a medium-sized or growing seed company, like is it worth it to spend money on some kind of advertising somewhere or to just say, hey, we're going to give you a percentage. Like we're going to pay someone to do this for us completely because you already have your advertising, you already have your network. It's an interesting use case. Yeah, and I think the other thing is going back to this, we were talking about the founders and people like that wearing multiple hats. That sort of startup scale-up place, a recruiter can add so much value to that because the person is overworked, is working five different jobs and, and just needs this person in to help them grow. You know, they don't have a huge HR function or internal recruitment teams. That, or any HR function or talent acquisition. <laughs> yeah, right? that, that can do any of this. So therefore, that's where the recruiter can really add value. And a lot of the time, especially in small organizations, we found it as we've gone through, you're actually hiring for a brand new skill set that you've never hired for before. I've just actually come off a, an interview about an hour ago for a like a designer for our marketing team. I've never interviewed a marketing designer ever before. So it's like, that's something new. And actually, we've got a really good recruitment partner that we're working with on it. And they even helped me with like what the test should be for that particular person to show off their skills. And that's the value that a recruiter really offers is all of the things like placing the job and actually getting the person in is the end result but it's actually the service that they offer all the way through that makes it great for using a recruiter 
That makes sense. That's fascinating, right? Because yeah, what the hell do you know about graphic design? (laughs) (laughs) Or I know, right? Like, I don't know what sells in terms of graphic design. I know it works. Like, I know you need images and good ones, right? Like, I have like that beautiful thing back there, and it's super cool. And that, and our website converted. And I know at Abel, the director of marketing, really does a lot of our design work, and she does really great jobs. So shout out to Stormy. But yeah, man, like, there's so many reasons why you should use a recruiting company. (laughs) Most of which have to do with. If you're hiring for something you have no idea about, like you need people who have the time. If they don't know about it, at least they have the time to figure it out because they want your business and they want to support you. Yeah. And I think that then all circles back to what we were talking about at the start, which is what is a recruiter going to be able to really add value to? And if they can automate more of the process, then they can add even more value to their customers. They can call their marketing friend and be like, hey, what converts? And like, what do we need to know about graphic design if we're going to be hiring for that for a SaaS company that sells AI software. (laughs) That's a good use of your time as a recruiter, as opposed to filling in the blank admin work. Awesome. All right. Future of AI. We kind of been hinting at it kind of around limitations, but like, where do you see it going? So I think the, the next bit is really automating the matching process to really get those suggestions really accurate. I think that's the, uh, the key thing. So it's almost the recruitment while you sleep type first bit of it so when the recruiter literally comes in it's like all of that pre-stuff is done for them almost i see it in the future with Sourcebreaker as well i want to get to is is all of the calls basically for the day that the day plan for the recruiter is is there that is it like i walk in the door and i know exactly what i need to do in the morning and the system has pre-scheduled that i think there's a lot to do with where we can go with pre-screening so taking you know even like looking at things like Herefish and is how can you ask lots of the initial questions to candidates to make sure that then you've, you know, you're filling out those data sets. I think there's some really cool stuff. If, you know, we talked about the limitations of matching because of that gray data at the moment, but actually if you can look at like automation on top of just the data that you've got, actually could you really recreate those skill sets and those full diagrams of it? So you know, I'm thinking in the future, does a profile become something more than just a resume? It actually becomes a whole thing around what that person is like, the, all of that cultural data. And if you could do the same on your company side, then that's super interesting because then the matching really can can be more accurate. And then the recruiter, again, now has to talk to 10 people rather than talking to 50. So with pre-AI and pre-the matching software, they were talking to 200. We've got that down to talking to 100 to 50. But what if we could actually get it to you talk to 10 to 20 people? And how much more efficient could the recruiter be? And, and how much could that service level that they offer be a lot more valuable for their candidates and clients? Got it. So I, I, in my head, I'm trying to put this together. It's like, so you mentioned asking questions through automations, right? Like, hey, these top 50 match. Well, let's send them a text message and ask them a couple more questions, which super helpful and kind of what Brian Cunningham from Allen Recruitment does, right? The first thing he does is a recruiter creates a tear sheet. They get a text message. They answer it, maybe provide feedback, maybe don't answer. A follow-up on will go back if they don't answer. But if they can't fill the role then, then they go to, I think they go to you guys. And they run a run a search. So what my head is not comprehending, Adam, is like, if it's still going to be machine learning and you don't have an automation tool to ask additional questions, how does it get better? Is there going to be like sifting out into social media profiles to figure out what people are passionate about? Like, which is it's not a violation because it's public domain, probably, right? But like, how do you get more of the soft skill knowledge if you're still kind of like if you're not 
opening up what you're trying to learn from. I don't know. Like, like I can't figure it out. And, and yeah, so I think it's actually it's an onus on the staffing agencies to start being able to actually build out these data sets in their CRM system. So taking better notes and capturing more data and, and codifying it. Are, can you guys read through notes in like a bullhorn? Yeah, so we can do everything. So like the whole profile, notes, CV, and really embed that data. So it's more creating, sorry to cut you off, more creating like custom fields or creating better note templates so that you get better. So crap in, crap out. But like literally like if you can get really good stuff in, you can get better AI algorithms out. And, and, 100%. and then there's like the next level of it, thinking like things like interview and actually being able to have like video interview saved against the profiles as well that have like been transcribed. So yeah, that, the transcription you know, you, would be huge there and you could read then the you've got really cool, cool data from actual live interview sessions that people have done. That's a good point. I like that a lot. And that's when you can ask all those like cultural questions is like what they're looking for. And I think this is the cool thing is, you know, the amount of data that people have at their fingertips now is just like exploding. So I think really the software, what it's going to have to do is it's going to have to look at all of that data and distill it down to what is then actionable. I think that's really the next step. So our automation stuff at the moment is going, you've got all these matches working. Here's the candidates that you should call. Here's the jobs that you should call. And it's putting them in front of the recruiter. But I think we can even start to go to a next level of here's a matches, but actually these are the companies that you should speak to ahead of these other companies because of another factor that's coming in or you know they've just had this piece of news or this has just happened in their organization. So just taking all of that data and actually making it actionable, I think is then the next step. So it's almost making the ATS more robust. So adding those transcriptions, adding because if you get a transcription of an interview, you're right, you're going to get cultural information, right? Especially if you ask the right questions and because you know it's for future use. Sometimes I, and then the company in Orlando that I always work with, they do a good job of using those interviews for future use. So if you're not using your interviews, that your, your video interviews, and you're getting them into the system for future use, then you are missing out, which is kind of like a tip. But yeah, man, fascinating. That's a great, great point. And it's going to have to drive some change in, in CRM ATS from a staffing perspective. I think the sales forces of the world have the flexibility. But you're going to have to really be able to understand what data you need and manipulate it and capture more and, and, and be more automation-driven because then your recruiters don't have to fill out 50 freaking fields of data so that your AI tool can run like really efficiently. So interesting. And it's starting to get like a shift to actually like a more long-term focus. I think there's a lot of recruiters and a lot of staffing agencies that are very much in the here and now. So this candidate is useful for this job and they're at that shortlist and then they're put into the CRM almost as a, as a record of that. Whereas actually, if you think of your candidate pools as a live, living like organism that you actually have to care for, you have to make it healthy, that then you can then match people to, as opposed to just looking at that candidate and the data about that candidate as one point in time. I think that's the next step. Yeah, man, fascinating. I mean, great. Thank you so much for your time. This is a great conversation. We talked about time, right? Which is the most like valuable thing, right, in the world. But we also talked a lot about data, which is technically the most tangible, valuable, tangible thing in the world. So there you go, guys. Data and time. Try not to waste them. All right, Adam, thank you so much. How can people find you? Yeah, so if they go on to www.sourcebreaker.com as our website, fill in a form, or you can just get me. I'm on adam at sourcebreaker.com is my email. And just, yeah, ping me over. 
uh, Rob to share my LinkedIn uh, profile as well. So uh, yeah, happy to uh, happy to have a chat with anyone. This is what we do. This is what we spend all our days talking about and envisaging the R and D for the future. So always happy to uh, to have a conversation. All right, thank you so much. Cheers. After this short break, stay tuned for our next segment of Ask Lauren. Able offers a fully featured onboarding automation platform to help staffing firms just like yours ensure all candidates have a world-class onboarding experience. The company's mobile-first platform makes qualifying, hiring, and engaging candidates easy for everyone involved. Able is trusted by some of the world's largest staffing agencies and can automate even the most complex of hiring workflows, giving your team 40% of their day back and allowing you to hire up to 90% faster at half the cost. Visit ableteams.com to learn more. What's up, Lauren? How you doing? I am amazing, and I am so happy that today is Friday. Do you ever notice how high-pitched my voice gets when I say hello to you with the start of these segments? I do. I do notice that, but I appreciate it because it means that you are enthusiastic to talk to me. That's how I perceive it. <laughs> bring in the energy don't, all day, don't tell me every day. <laughs> I bring the energy. That's right. What do you have for the good listener today? Oh my goodness. So here is just such a meaty topic. And I've been working with many customers on this. And it is the idea of bespoke training. And you can tell I have been working with the Brits as of late. But what I mean by that is is customized training. Because you can buy a technology solution. And by the time you end up configuring it and creating your workflows in your way, and remember it's configuration over customization, we never over customize, you can end up with a solution that may not look like they're out of the box training. And so what I've been spending a lot of time on is really helping organizations create some content based on their purchase so that it is adopted, um, not just with the workflow or whatever configuration they do, but with their attitude and their, and their culture all behind that. It does take a number of coats of paint to get adoption going. You should start this four weeks before you launch something. You should have multiple mediums to communicate to the end users, that the lives that are changing of those end users, and get them bought in. And part of getting them bought in is having having training, bespoke training or customized training that looks like their instance of the technology that feels like it's been adopted by their culture. And it's an often overlooked part by both software companies and the institutions or agencies that buy that software, that this is such a wildly important part of having the technology actually used in the manner in which you intended. And so I don't think I'm going to stop talking about change management because it's where I'm spending a ton of my consulting hours. But I also feel like why buy the technology and not have it be adopted? Why buy the technology and not understand how it's how you're going to have ROI? And But there's so much to consider with change management and understanding from an empathetic point of view that your end user is probably consuming a ton of change, particularly in 2021. And so shaping it in a way that makes sense to them is important. I have lots of thoughts about this. Number one, I don't think companies do enough training. Yeah, um, agreed. Yes, yeah. I got lucky, so and I don't know if I do this enough, but Michelle Lathan, you are a freaking rock star. She is the vice president. She has some ridiculous title, but she's the vice president of organizational effectiveness for Floyd Lee Locums. But I worked with her for about six years. 
And we were working at a little small startup locums company. And Michelle, every time we bought a new technology, had these awesome bespoke trainings for how she wanted and the leadership team wanted us to use the damn product. So Michelle, thank you. Yes. And we used it. Yes. And it doesn't have to take a ton of time and resources. I mean, today 15 we minutes. have... And today we have Vidyard and Vimeo to cut your screen and do little recordings. It does not have to be something that is labor intensive. And so I think that there's this big no misnomer that you need an LMS and you need this and you need that. You don't. You need a centralized place for your people to get the content. You need an easy way to get it to them. That's it. Yeah, I mean, we were in office and so we were two yeah, offices would nice. gather around the, the projector and we would sit there. and <laughs> The projector. You just dated yourself. Well, were you no, all we, doing we, math we, with we, an abacus? What's we had happening? a projector projecting onto a white wall <laughs> from a computer. We didn't have like a, what was that thing called when you were in like middle school and high school? Like the, <laughs> you put the thing on the light box and the mirror project. What's what it was called? <laughs> I don't now, know. Why, why I don't know. I You're aging yourself. Now? I have no idea. I'm I, am millennial. Not as, I am not I, I'm that no, old. I, no, I'm so much older than you are. So yeah, yeah. come on. Um, <laughs> anyway. Okay. So bespoke training guys, if you are an operations person, if you are a leader, find an operations person, make sure technology is being used. What happens, and I think is, it's a good problem, is like the high-performing people open companies and they do what they did to become high-performing, which may or may not actually be a sustainable or scalable process. So, and then they grow their business without scalable processes or processes. And uh, I want to be British. <laughs> and it just ends up being a little bit more of a mess. And then people like Lauren get paid to clean it up. So yeah, that's right. Lauren's but I business think that- is predicated on you making a mess of your processes, guys. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I think of it like this, functional in five. Depending upon the level of difficulty, you should be functional in five minutes. You should be functional in five days or five hours. You know, Just depending upon the level of difficulty, we can create or we can create little trainings and little nuggets that help get this stuff adopted. And again, don't overcomplicate it, don't overcomplicate Actually, what I heard was don't ever complicate it. Keep it simple. And Lauren is trying to put herself out of business. All right. Thank you, Lauren. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. 